not located in the unofficially named Hot Pocket studio today. We're actually recording from my mother's basement, for real. Literally in my mother's basement. Came to visit her and my dad this weekend. I should also note that that makes two Pulitzer Prize winners who have now written articles that are not very positive towards Tesla. The Tesla Q podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended for and should not be used as financial, investment, or trading advice. Research associated with fiscal decisions should be conducted elsewhere. The host of the show possesses no license or credentials to warrant accepting advice based on what is heard on the Tesla Q podcast. Additionally, even though the host and guests may hold positions in companies discussed on the show, they don't have insights into the next time step of the simulation. Therefore, do not make any financial decisions based on the contents of the podcast. Hello, this is episode number 16 of the Tesla Q podcast. We're recording on Sunday, February 10th, 2019. Not located in the unofficially named Hot Pocket studio today. We're actually recording from my mother's basement. For real. Literally in my mother's basement. Came to visit her and my dad this weekend. So here I am. Brought the mic along. Don't have a good mic stand, but we're going to do the best that we can. Haven't done an episode since last Sunday night after the Super Bowl, so there's a lot to cover. I need to not go so long between episodes because it makes for a lot of information to cover. And I'm going to I'm gonna be talking really quick during this episode, so bear with me with that. I now have the ability to record an interview on my own, which is good. That should help me be able to put episodes out quicker and more easily schedule interviews. Remember, if you want to donate to the podcast to help keep it going, there's the Square Cash app. Search for Tesla Q Podcast, that's T-S-L-A-Q Podcast. Or if from a browser, you can go to cash.me slash Tesla Q Podcast. Patreon apparently has some issues and may not be able to sustain itself. So for now, that's on the back burner, setting up a Patreon account. I may do that in the future. Had a busy, busy week with work, so that's why no episodes this week. So getting back to to everything that was missed, or that, that hasn't yet been covered on the podcast... Starting with last Monday, February 4th, early morning news was that Tesla is going to be acquiring Maxwell. They have some supercapacitor technology. Not going to go into that much on this episode because I have a future interview planned about that. We'll note that there's still not been an 8K from Tesla about that acquisition. And I'll note that it was an all, all shares deal, no cash from Tesla involved with that deal. Also, Monday night, there was the first local news story from Buffalo about the Gigafactory 2. That factory is based on the... It, its primary function is the solar business, so they make solar panels for roofs. Uh, from, from the news article, apparently they only make enough for a, about four houses per week, I think is their max that they've done so far. Part of the deal with that factory is that they were getting $750 million of incentives from the state of New York, and that was contingent upon employing a minimum number of people and presently there is not nearly that minimum number part of the employees there are Panasonic employees part are Tesla employees I don't know how the intricacies of the deal work and as far as if they have to be Tesla employees versus Panasonic employees but either way Senator Kennedy from New York has taken notice and is going to be looking further into it, it seems like. And as early as this upcoming April, I believe there could be some clawbacks of some of that $750 million of incentives. I think I think it's something like $40 million per checkpoint 
time that Tesla could owe if they don't employ the sufficient number of people to meet their end of that bargain. The reporter who put that story out is Dan Telvok. I forget the station name in Buffalo, so apologies for that. Uh, one thing that goes along with that story is the excellent Tesla Charts tweet stream from June of 2018 that talked about the Solar City acquisition by Tesla, which was clearly a bailout of Elon Musk and his cousins, the, the Rive brothers. And that tweet thread has now been repurposed as a basically an article on teslaq.org so go check it out there and you can learn more about the solar solar city acquisition and how it was basically just a bailout for elon musk and his cousins and kept him from the reputational harm that would have come with solar city going bankrupt which is what was on track to happen if they hadn't purchased it i will note that the peak peak megawattage of installations by solar city was in the fourth quarter of 2015 that was about 250 megawatts installed that quarter and for the most recently finished quarter which was quarter four of 2018 there was approximately 75 megawatts installed so it's gone from 250 to 75 over the last three years so definitely not a growing business the solar city portion of tesla and if you think about those numbers the 250 to 75 it makes sense that the Buffalo Gigafactory doesn't have nearly as many employees as was promised when they got their $750 million of incentives from the state of New York. Moving on to another item from the Week in Tesla on Twitter. On Tuesday morning, there was some drone footage from the Shanghai Gigafactory that showed the current state of progress or lack thereof. Not much more to say about that other than feel free to check out the, the ongoing coverage of that on Twitter. Tuesday evening, there was a video posted to Twitter that showed an odd odometer rollback in conjunction with a software update. As I suspected when that video came out, it has subsequently been deleted. Uh, just a little bit before I started recording this, I retweeted my tweet suggesting that I anticipated that it would be deleted. And in a reply, I included a tweet where the video had been saved to, to Dropbox so that it's still available out there. I'm not certain if the thread was fully captured. I'm guessing it probably was somewhere. I hope so, as it was very interesting. Raises some questions, certainly. That same night, uh, Tuesday night, which was February the 5th, 2019, it was brought to attention that a second boring company had been registered in Oregon. The original boring company is registered in Delaware. Uh, this was pointed out by the Twitter handle Great Crash of 2018. The the name with that Twitter account is Bubbleception Triple Bubble Trouble. So that that was interesting. The timing of that in relation to the 3000 VIN gap in the VIN numbers that Tesla has registered is interesting along with noting that Oregon was not part of the National Motor Vehicle Database NVMTIS whatever it is that Tesla Charts has been using data from and in, in his ongoing explain the vins Twitter activities revelations whatever you want to call them so I have no idea if that second boring company registered in Oregon has anything to do with the 3000 vin gap or the fact that Oregon only recently got added to the NVMTIS, but the timing is interesting, I'll say. 
Also on Tuesday, Tuesday was a very busy day in Tesla Q land. There was a an $1,100 price cut by Tesla. Mark Spiegel pointed out on Twitter that of the price cuts that have occurred subsequent to the end of quarter four, if those had been in place for quarter four, rather than a $139 million profit for quarter four, that would have been reversed by $195 million. So it would have actually been a $56 million loss for quarter four. So that's an interesting thing to keep in mind with the price cuts that Tesla's had. And the final thing from Tuesday night that I found notable was the sale by Linda Rice Johnson. It was a 10B51 sale, so a, a sale that was set in motion in advance. But uh, this particular one netted her $731. On a previous episode, I had pointed out the sale that she made where she netted $3,400, and I thought that that one was laughable. This one is even more laughable, of course. The, the options that were exercised had a, a strike price of three nineteen fifty seven, and they were sold at an average of $320 per share. And it was both, both instances, the $3,400 and the $731 that she netted were for 1,700 total shares. So that, that was interesting. Uh, it should also be noted with that sale that while she herself only netted $731, Tesla, the company, got the 1700 times 319.57, which is quite a bit more than that. I don't have the number in front of me, so I'm not going to do the math off the cuff. But moving on to Wednesday, which was February 6th, 2019, there was an LA Times article from Michael Hiltzik, who has won a Pulitzer Prize, I should note, that talked about the deceptiveness of Tesla's order page and how they subtract the gas savings costs and all that stuff. That was a big topic of discussion the days leading up to that on Twitter. The article actually referenced EV Defender. And I should also note that that makes two Pulitzer Prize winners who have now written articles that are not very positive towards Tesla. Just something to keep in mind. The the other one was Charles Duhigg, the article that he wrote for Wired that came out, I believe it was in late 2018. I don't remember the exact date, but it was about Elon Musk's management style, essentially, and fits along with the narrative that Tesla Q generally seems to hold in regards to Elon Musk's overall actions and management style and demeanor and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The next item from the week, uh, it was, seems like it was a combination of Wednesday and Thursday, but it's the, it was the start of the European Union deliveries. I came up with the term Schrodinger's homologation as there were some Seem to be some issues that were popping up uh, that delayed some people's deliveries. There were some reports of people that were on their way to pick up their Model 3s and then were told that they were going to have to wait a little while. Following on, it seemed more like it might just be the autopilot that isn't fully homologated. And still, as of yesterday, I believe I saw on Twitter, Russ Mitchell of the LA Times has inquired about whether autopilot is fully homologated or not but has still yet to get a full answer on that. So that, as of as of now, to the best of my knowledge, that remains an open question that hasn't been clearly answered by Tesla or by RDW over in Europe or anybody else. So I, I think there's some, some real journalists out there that are tracking that down. I don't consider myself to be a real journalist. I'm just a podcaster and a new one at that. Moving on to f- into Friday, there was a Reuters article that came out. 
I think the article itself didn't come out until after the market had closed. There was a video that came out in the afternoon that discussed the article. And the the basic premise of the, the Reuters article is that the Model 3 reservation list has been picked clean. Quote, picked clean. This little piece of news fits along with the verbiage in the January 18th layoff letter of Tesla along with the 6,500 deliveries in January estimate from Inside EVs and with Elon's comments in the quarter four conference call where he said that demand for the Model 3 is excellent. It's just that the customers don't have enough money, (laughs) which basically ignored the relationship between price and demand, which is clearly laid out in Economics 101 classes. So those, those data points all fit together. The Reuters article, the January delivery estimates for the U.S., what was said in the layoff letter about needing to produce a Model 3 at a lower price point, and what Elon said in the conference call. They all line up. They all match the views of Tesla Q. Imagine that. I'm not shocked. Are you shocked? It seemed a bit odd that that video came out before the market closed and the actual article didn't come out until after the market closed, but no need to get into any speculation about that, whether it was intentional or just happenstance. Moving back to Thursday, there was a little piece of news that Elon has placed his Los Angeles home on the market for $4.5 million. This is a home that's separate from the five homes that are all next to each other in, I think those are in Bel Air. So this is a separate house that he owned with Tallulah Riley, if I'm not mistaken. But as of Thursday, it was publicly known that that house is on the market. I don't know if that indicates that he has a personal liquidity issue and needs, needs some cash fast. Maybe that's the case. Maybe it's not. But there was a, an article on, I believe it was Forbes that that house is now on the market. So if you want to buy it, go for it. Moving on to Saturday, February 9th, which was yesterday, uh, there was a a little piece of news that really, really got under my skin, and that was in regards to the National Highway Transportation and Safety Administration's prior claim from, I believe it was in early 2017, that Tesla's, with autopilot engaged, or auto-steer, had 40% fewer airbag deployments than with autopilot not engaged. Turns out, after 641 days that it took to get the underlying data for that, and this was Randy Whitfield of Quality Control Systems Corporation, turns out that in reality, the airbag deployments were less for the Teslas without auto steer than with auto steer. The, the part of this that really, really got under my nerves, under my skin, on my nerves, was the fact that the NHTSA aided in the delay of the underlying data being released, saying that it would hurt Tesla due to proprietary information. That delay makes it very hard not to imagine that there was some potential regulatory capture at play here. And as someone who very much looks forward to the day when autonomous vehicles are safe to drive on the roads, I I don't like that 
the regulator may have been helping to prevent the actual data from being released and let this 40% claim sit out there for nearly two years, which Tesla has used time and time again in their efforts to sell their vehicles, which apparently wasn't accurate data. And that just irritates me. And I, I do want autonomous vehicles to be available. And I do think that they will be much, much safer than human drivers within the not too distant future. But the deployment has to be done right and needs to be based on actual data, not on miscalculated data. So if you want to read that report, you can go to safetyresearch.net. There's a link to it there. Uh, search for Randy Whitfield of Quality Control Systems Corporation. Look on Twitter. There were many places where it got retweeted. So, yeah, I that really irritated me yesterday, reading that. I've yet to read through the full 24-page report from Randy Whitfield, but I do have it open on my phone. It has a date of February 8th on it. So, my, my best guess is that the market has yet to incorporate that knowledge about the NHTSA's activities into the market price of Tesla. And additionally, the Reuters article that discussed that the Model 3 reservation list has been picked clean has likely not been incorporated into the market price of Tesla. Don't take either of those items as trading advice, but those are my guesses based on the best of my knowledge at this time. As of this recording on Sunday night, February 10th, 2019. So let's see what the market price does early in the morning tomorrow. So with that, I think uh, I think it's about time to wrap up this episode. I've talked pretty, pretty fast, have a lot of little items condensed into not that long of a time. So with that, we'll call this episode number 16 of the Tesla Q podcast. Bye-bye.